All right, everybody. Welcome to your very favorite Spider-Man podcast. Here comes the Spider-Cast. I'm your co-host, Michael, and as always, I'm joined by... Joshua Mervell, and today we're going to be taking a look at Spidey Comics from October of 1984. That's right, and we have a very special guest joining us, Al Piper. Hello, everybody. <laughs> and Al, you've been a guest on the Comic Book Syndicate before. One of our more uh, popular old episodes, that's the one where we compared, remember Batman to Dark Knight? Yes, I remember that well. Yeah, that's the gift that keeps on giving. And uh, just recently in the news this week, Dark Knight was added to the National Film Registry. That's an honor that has only been bestowed on one other superhero film. Does anyone know what the other film was? I would assume the first Superman. Of course. That would have been my guess as well. Yeah. You got that right. Those are my picks for the best superhero film for sure. Mm. But anyway... Josh, what's your favorite superhero film? Oh, I, I, I don't know. It, that's that's tough. I, favorite and best, I think, are two different questions. Like, my favorite one, the one I watch all the time, is Into the Spider-Verse. Really? That's a good film, yeah. Y yeah. Like, that's... I, I, I think it's arguably, possibly not the, like, best quality mm -hmm. one, but it's my personal favorite, the one I go to all the time. What about you, Al? Uh, that is a tough one, but it's funny you mentioned Into the Spider-Verse because uh, we just had this discussion around the uh, family supper table, and we all agreed that it was probably one of the best that's that's been around. Mm -hmm. uh, but I, I'm still a sucker for uh, the original Superman, um, the Tim Burton Batman, of course. You know, right. they're yeah. really the, the first ones to come. Right, right. I agree. Yeah, I mean, uh, the Tim Burton Batman has, it has its flaws, but there's still like a magic that it captured – Right, like the style, oh, sure. uh, the uh, art design, which we talked about on on the comic book syndicate, like the music, the everything. Just it was just magical when it came out. It's got anyway. so much charm. Right, sure. right. Yeah, great actors, obviously. Mm -hmm. But anyway, we're here to talk about Spidey. So we're gonna talk this week about <laughs> comics from October 1984. We're still in the middle of the Black Alien Symbiote Saga. Um, Al, are you a fan of the black costume Spider-Man? I am. Uh, I always have been, actually, right from uh, day one. I thought it was really cool. Um, I was always glad to see him go back, you know, to the traditional red and blues. But I did enjoy the uh, black costume over the years. Right. It's just a very cool era. And, you know, we've, we, we've said this before. It's really hard to duplicate. Like, they tried to give Spidey a new costume for Civil War, you know, the red and yellow with the three arms. And that mm. didn't catch on. They gave him, like, a Tron costume. They gave him a... Uh, future foundation costume. None of those costumes catch on, right? Nothing can ever duplicate the like the novelty of this one. I don't think. So yeah, so we're gonna talk about Amazing Spider-Man 257. This is the continuation of Spidey's first encounter with the Puma or Puma. I used to pronounce it Puma when I was a kid, but it's Puma. <laughs> uh, I mispronounced a lot of words when I was a kid, but anyway. So uh, yeah, this is again Tom DeFalco and Ron Friends. Um, Spidey is in the middle of fighting the, the Puma and then Black Cat comes in to save the day. Spidey is still injured from last issue. He's got like a dislocated arm. And uh, Puma is tracking him down, but he's also gaining a little bit of respect for Spider-Man, right? He's starting to learn that he's a formidable foe and he's starting to have, maybe starting to have second thoughts. We'll see. So Spider-Man goes back to his apartment and once again, we're developing the subplot of this alien costume. 
I don't know why Peter Parker hasn't caught on, but Felicia is definitely like, okay, something's not right about this freaking thing that has like a mind of its own. I think you should look into this further, but whatever. So then there's this subplot with um, the Kingpin and this new uh, character in the the crime, the criminal underworld, the Rose, and like the Rose is, um, you know, the Kingpin is pissed off at the Rose because the Rose has ordered the uh, the murder of Spider-Man without talking to Kingpin, right? And so he's pissed off. And so then we cut back to Puma in his apartment. And Puma's going to go back and fight Spidey again. Meanwhile, Mary Jane shows up and she's kind of being a nuisance. So Peter has to boot her out of the apartment. Uh, Spidey uh, continues his fight with um, Puma. And then Mary Jane's trying to break into the apartment. She ends up breaking in. And, of course, the apartment's now been completely destroyed by their fisticuffs. We cut back to Kingpin and... uh, What's his name? The Rose. Kingpin puts the Rose in his place. You know, that's like a running subplot of the kind of power struggle between those two. Mm-hmm. Puma and uh, Spider-Man fight. They make their way into like a, uh, what's it called? Like a gym. They have a pretty a pretty interesting fight here, throwing like barbells at each other and stuff. And Puma throws something out the window and Spider-Man's got to catch it uh, before it, you know, injures anybody. And then basically Puma just decides, you know what? I think I'm just going to um, leave Spider-Man alone because... Um, you know, I want to. I want to. If I'm going to fight him and kill him, I want him to be at full strength. So I'm just going to leave him alone, and uh, you know, go back home. And then basically, at that same moment, he gets an order from uh, what's it called, the Rose? Or no, no, sorry, no, he doesn't. Not yet. First, what happens is we cu- we cut back and oh wait, correct me if I'm wrong. No, the Rose basically uh, rendezvous with the Hobgoblin, and the Hobgoblin's going to like, you know, he's going to help him out. We don't know exactly how yet. But yeah, in that scene, we did find out that uh, Thomas Fireheart got orders to cancel the contract on Spider-Man, which is kind of a coincidence because he decided he wasn't going to kill him anyway, right? And then at the very end, uh, Mary Jane comes into the apartment and she has a huge revelation, right? She just can't cope with the fact that Peter Parker is secretly Spider-Man. So after, what, almost 25 years... Uh, Mary Jane has finally figured out that Peter Parker is Spider-Man. I think in the movies it took like maybe one or two movies, right? Yes, by the second movie. Yeah, quite a bit longer. So that's it. So, uh, Al, since you're our guest this week, why don't you tell us what your first impression is of Amazing Spider-Man 257? Well, I hadn't read this uh, arc in quite a while. Um, Mm. I was quite surprised at the mediocrity of the art (laughs) and the writing, (laughs) I have to admit. (laughs) Um, thank God for 1986 when things started to finally come around. That's right. Uh, and I have to say that uh, that reveal at the end, I, I didn't remember that reveal coming. I was like, really? She doesn't even know at this point yet? Right, I, I thought right. everybody knew by now. I mean, it's it's the second worst uh, kept secret right next to Matthew Murdoch's uh, secret identity. Right. But uh, it, uh, it's certainly the stronger of the uh, title at this time. There's no doubt about that. Well, first let's talk about the art briefly. Uh, I mean, Josh and I have been talking about this, you know, same artist art team for a while now, but I think we both agree that the penciler run friends is great. It's Joseph Rubenstein that kind of brings the art down. Do you make a distinction between those two? Like, do you think that the, the storytelling is good or do you think that overall it's just mediocre? I think overall, it's just uh, mediocre for the... 
in the grander scheme. Um, at the time, right. it may have stood out a little more. Uh, again, we're looking at this book, you know, how many years later? Mm-hmm. So, so it's really hard to to remember what everything was like at that time. But uh, yeah, the, the inking, I actually, uh, I had trouble distinguishing the inking in this one. It tended to blend together a little bit for me. I don't know if that's because mm-hmm. we were still at the time in uh, pulp paper or, you know, uh, with the glossier paper stuff tends to separate a lot nicer and, and you can really make out the division of uh, the inks and stuff. But uh, it seemed a little muddy to me overall. Okay. So, Josh, what's your take on this issue compared especially to the previous issues of, Am- of Amazing we've been reading? I mean, I, I, I feel because maybe the pencils were the same, it, I didn't really notice much of a difference. Um, I also don't think it really helps that I'm reading uh, one of the recoloring um, right, right. versions of this comic. So I feel like I'm also not even really looking at the original art sometimes. So um, it's hard to kind of say, especially with the comment about like the pulp or the glossy paper, like I, mm. I reading just this issue by itself, I don't think I would be even able to tell either way. Tell either way what? What it was printed on originally. Oh, I see. I see. Because it's completely, well, it's almost like it was, you know, it feels almost redrawn because the colors are so different. Yeah, that's that's you know what I mean. It's got about, like a f- completely different feel to it, right? So, I, and that's the thing is that one of the thing about the inks, I don't think the inks are good at all, but I think the inks would be better on pulpy paper mm-hmm. because when everything is solid like this, mm, it's hard to explain, but it 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 it, exa- it almost like brings to the fore how messy the inking is, you know. So right. maybe you could hide that in pulpy paper, but when it's so vivid and in your face, it just looks like crappy amateur art, you know? And right. this is something like most of our guests have agreed on. Like, And the thing is, is Joseph Rubenstein at the time was a big inker. Like he inked almost every page of the, the official handbook of the Marvel Universe. And, you know, I grew to dislike his inks as a kid because he made everyone look exactly the same in the Marvel Universe, you know? And so, yeah, I definitely am not a fan of the inks, although I do love Ron Friends as a penciler, and I know he's a great artist, so I can forgive that. And I think that if he had a better inker, the art would look good. But um, overall, what do you think of the story for this one, Josh? Um, this one, it was very ambitious. <laughs> a lot happens mm. in this issue. There's a lot of things that they're trying to struggle, and I think maybe there's just too much going on for it to, like, properly flesh out like a a a good story because you have you have the um the drama from that we normally get in spectacular spider-man with black cat coming in and kind of talking about not wanting to share her secret powers that she just received which i think up until recently had pretty much stayed in spectacular it hadn't really crossed over into um, amazing too much and if it had it was normally just like a page or a panel to kind of just show that it's the same universe right. um, and then you have the dynamic with Kingpin and the Rose and then MJ coming in and then uh, Hobgoblin is back did we already talk about Hobgoblin still being alive I honestly don't uh, know is, is <laughs> oh this no I think 
I don't. I think. Rem- I think he was in shadow, right? He was okay. in shadow last time. So this right. is the reveal of the fact that Hobgoblin is actually alive, and then right. the next page we get the reveal that MJ knows Peter's secret. Like it just right. so much? much happens, and it's it, it really feels like they're juggling all of these things all at once, and I don't think that the juggler catches all the balls by the end of the issue. They kind of all fall yeah. on the ground because it good just point. happens. Um, I mean, I think leading up to the end, I was kind of, I, I was, you know, buying into it, but then it didn't really pan out. Yeah. Uh, not a great issue, mm-hmm. but I think compared to the other ones <laughs> week it might be the best one yeah. uh I, i'm gonna give it a mild recommendation al do you recommend this comic uh i do simply because of its its place and time um we're just right. learning about the, you know the black costume and getting a, a feel for its uh origins and stuff and knowing where that leads to it's really kind of a vital link in that chain mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and josh do you recommend it um i don't know it's it's so tricky to say i don't think i would go out of my way to particularly recommend this issue of Amazing. Like, mm-hmm. if I had the stack of this whole year, this would not be the first one that I would grab. Right. Like this right, is this right. would not be the this would not be the issue of this like arc or this era that I would go to to give to somebody to read Spider Man for the first time. You want you know so it's funny I, I don't think I would I don't think I would say not to read it but it's not the one i would go to so yeah i guess recommend in that sense it's funny because when i was a kid i had all these issues of spider-man but for some reason upon one of my rereads there was a handful of issues in this run that i just decided to sell because i disliked them so much i knew i was never ever ever gonna reread them again Little did I know I would start a Spider-Man podcast in 2019 and uh, my my worth would all be lies. But anyway. Okay, so now (laughs) we're going to move on to Marvel. Before we move on, I I think that I might get in trouble if I don't mention uh, Shirtless Kingpin in two different parts of this issue. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> this is this is kind of like a recurring bit that we always talk about it, but we get Shirtless Kingpin twice. That's a good so, point. Yeah. We, this could, wanna... we, could, we could make a drinking game out of this, eh? We probably could, and we probably wow. should, to get ourselves through the next issue that we've got to read, which yes. is... <laughs> Marvel team up number one forty six with uh, Spider Man and Nomad. I mean, uh, okay, well, I'm gonna try my best again. I'm sorry, everyone who's listening to this to ha- that has to hear me try to sum up these ridiculous Marvel team up issues. But after this one, <laughs> there's only four more left. So we're, That's right. Oh, there's a light. There's a light at the end of the tunnel. <laughs> so uh, we catch up with Spider Man, and he uh, he shows up to a, uh, a, a car crash and he helps save a woman and um, in the crowd there's a man named Jack Monroe who is uh, nomad um, so he kind of sees what happens and he makes this comment which I actually really liked in this issue we'll talk about this more but uh, he makes like an offhand comment about a, how I bet you this guy doesn't have to wor- you know worry about anything in the world he's got it made he's a superhero 
And then we catch up with Peter Parker as he's about to get mugged in an alley. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, Jack Monroe shows up and Peter and Jack team up against uh, this, like, gang and beat them up and scare them off. This little kid is there and he kind of sees this going on. He's part of this uh, this gang, too. Uh, and he'll come up later. So Peter and Jack decide to have kind of like a little bro date and they uh, they go see a movie together and they're hanging out. After the movie, they're reenacting scenes from it and uh, the little kid bumps into them and he he steals Jack's envelope. I can't even remember if what the significance of the envelope is, to be honest. But uh, they lose him in an alley, so... They decide to split up and they actually don – they each don their own superhero identity and um, they run into the gang who's in a meeting with Taskmaster and Black Habit. <laughs> and just it's like so behind ridiculous. like a grocery store, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're just like there <sighs> in like this military jeep in a parking lot. <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous. But right. um, the little kid shows up and he tells them what happens. And uh, Spider-Man and Nomad show up and they start fighting and we see Black Abbott's powers. I'm not sure if this is a new character that's being introduced. I don't think I've ever actually heard of this character before. Black Abbott. I, I've never – I will look him up, but I've never heard of him. That's for sure. So I it think he's no a new bells character. for me at all. Yeah, I think he's possibly a new character being introduced here. He's got this like uh, weird – cloak that's kind of like diamond shape and it's big and boxy and he's got these robes and we learn that his power is to be able to like zap and like use energy and he can actually um the energy is so powerful it can disintegrate people and we see one of the goons get disintegrated after trying to leave the gang um anyways they start punching each other task is <laughs> punching um and uh spider-man is hit with one of the beams and he's uh, at the whim of black abbott and he's about to get zapped black abbott is like charging up his hand to disintegrate spider-man when nomad picks up taskmaster's shield and throws it just at the right angle for black abbott to touch the shield and the energy bounces back onto his own arm and his hand is disintegrated. We don't actually see that in the comic, but that's what Spider-Man tells us uh, what happens. Um, uh, Taskmaster pretty much says, yo, I'm out of here. I got my money. Mm-hmm. Black Abbott um, off screen runs off because he's in pain. And then uh. there's a fire. <laughs> so they have to. So, <laughs> so. Nomad and Spider-Man go <laughs> run into the building and they save the kid from earlier. Um, and the kid decides he wants to be a superhero just like Nomad. He hands over the uh, the envelope and runs off. And yeah, that's pretty much what happens here. Um, again, it's just kind of a big issue of things happening for no particular reason besides that's what the script says. Um, I mean... Even the art in this issue doesn't actually show you what happens half the time. No. Things just happen, and Spider-Man has to say, oh, Black Abbott must have ran off after his Mm -hmm. arm was disintegrated. Like, none of this was shown. Like, 
I don't know. Nothing of importance happens. Uh, I think the possibly the strongest part of this issue is earlier on when we're first introduced to Spider-Man and Jack and the fact that like it makes sense that that the two of them are together and hanging out because normally the two superheroes are just kind of mashed together because that's what the you know wouldn't it be cool if this character and this character teamed up and right. they kind of just like squish them together. This felt a little bit more natural, like these two would have already been hanging out, so it makes sense that their superhero identities um teamed up together in this issue, so I don't know. It was all over the place. What do you, what did you think about this issue, Mike? Oh, I got to the end and realized I had zoned out halfway through and had to <laughs> yep. go back and reread starting from the appearance of the Black Abbot, because I'm like, what in tarnation is going on? So I had to reread the whole issue. Then when I went back and I looked at that first appearance of Black Abbot, and there's like three giant captions of text, I'm like, oh my God, I won't have to reread this again. So I kind of just skim read it. But uh, yeah, it's just a lot of nonsense, you know? Like, I, again, I enjoyed the beginning just like you did, and I, I'm a huge fan of the film Real Bravo, so I thought it was funny that they were going to see Real Bravo. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, I mean, I like the Taskmaster, but the way that he's just randomly training these guys in this uh, gang, and they happen to be the same gang as the issue that Carrie Burkett wrote, because, you know, these writers come and go, and so I guess they're just bringing back characters that they used before. And I mean, you know, Nomad's kind of an interesting character, but really at this point, I think they're just scraping the bottom of the barrel because they know that it's being canceled soon, right? So... Right. Uh, not a great issue. Not a great story. I can't really recommend it. Uh, Al, what did you think of this issue? Um, not only would I not recommend it, I would suggest that by page three or four, when they get to go see Real Bravo, I was like, you know what? I think I'll just stop reading this and go watch Real Bravo because that <laughs> yeah, would be more go. interesting. <laughs> You're right. Oh, uh, I will say that Nomad uh, suit, uh, it just, it keeps going for decades and decades. The, uh, the swashbuckler boots and the, the cape and the, you know, you, you can't go wrong with uh, powder blue uh, swashbuckler right. boots and a cape. Oh, uh, just, do it, do you like the low cut, the, v, the deep V, the deep N? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway. I, I, it's so strange. <laughs> I mean, I feel like even the art this issue was particularly lacking. Like the layouts were really bad i didn't understand what was happening half the time right both because of the dialogue and the art like we see so on on original page 10 we see taskmaster for the first time in this issue mm-hmm. and um we see that he's talking to this gang and we see like a far shot of him kind of like directing this meeting and then the next page we have this bad guy all of a sudden in the middle of this <sighs> group like he's, right. he just appears out of nowhere I, I yeah i was super confused i thought that when i was first reading the introduction to him uh, to, to black abbott i thought maybe it had changed to a different scene because it was just <sighs> like so out of nowhere and then and then we don't we we kind of see him in the background when the kid runs in, and then it just jumps to Taskmaster and like 
if you look on original page 11, we see Black Abbott. The next panel, the kid's running in, and you see in the background Taskmaster and then this cloaked figure. And then the the panel after that, Black Abbott is just gone out of the panel again. It's that Taskmaster is there and Black Abbott is gone. You mean on the next page? No, the next panel. Uh, yeah, unless that's him back in the shadow. You mean, like the last panel of page 11? But isn't, isn't that not Taskmaster's shadow? Oh. Because Taskmaster's on the right. I don't in, think so. No, the... no, because if you look on the left, they're standing right next to each other. So I can only assume that that's him behind him. Not his, but, not his body, his but his body stops when the, when the ground starts. Oh, jeez. So you see how it's like it's <laughs> yeah. the shadow on the wall. So here's the thing. If you go back, okay, go back to the original page 10. This is not how you introduce a character into the story. Like he's just standing there. Right. You know, like there's no build up. Like I, wouldn't you show people listening to him talk first and then save the big shot of him as like a reveal? Like, oh my God, the Taskmaster, the Taskmaster's in this story. That'd be a big deal, right? But or... they just... Well, but the Sorry, thing is, then the very next page, then they introduce this other guy, and then, you, like you said, he disappears, and then he's gone for like one, two, three, four, five, five pages, four or five pages. Like it's just, it's just right. badly planned out, right? What were you gonna say? Uh, or even show that Taskmaster is in this group and also scared. Yeah, or something. Right, like because we know who Taskmaster is. He's a recurring. Uh, like recurring villain in Marvel Comics, and um, he's also shown up in Marvel Team Up before as a main villain. So if we show him in this group of gang, uh, like this um, this, like the middle of this group, and he's also scared of this shadowy figure, and then we mm-hmm. do that reveal of him stepping out of the shadows and like introducing himself, that kind of adds to him being scary, but. <laughs> But this guy just starts talking and then disappears in the other panels. I mean, the next page, like page 12, he's on the other side of the, like, the Mm -hmm. alley. Like, like, he just, he, like, jumps around. I have no idea where this guy is. I I don't really care about him. Like, nothing, nothing about him is intimidating. Even his, like, like, power... We see him disintegrate one guy, and then that's it. Like, nothing – we don't even really see him attack Spider-Man. Like, we see right. him disintegrate the, disintegrate the guy on original page 17, and then the next panel we see of him, it's just his hand, and he's, like, pointing it at Spider-Man. And then well, all of a sudden he has Spider-Man and he's about to disintegrate him. And Spider-Man has to like narrate through thought bubbles what mm-hmm. happened. Right. It's so strange. It, it just feels like, like you said, there's a bunch of stuff that happens, but nothing is planned out to be dramatic or logical. And the same thing is with the art, right? Like the art does mm-hmm. not tell a dramatic story. Even even in like the Marvel style of, of plotting where the artist would plot out most of the story, it was done with a purpose to make things dramatic, right? Like to make you want to flip through the pages. But like I said, this thing was so all over the place that I forgot what was happening and I had to go back and reread it. So mm-hmm. clearly this thing's a massive failure. Uh, Al, do you have anything else to say about it? <laughs> uh, no, she pretty much nailed it. There was nothing saving this issue. 
Um, even the the writers and the artists didn't seem to care. I think the more attention was paid to the fact uh, that uh, Jack Monroe was going on about, you know, movies these days don't have what they used to, you know, that they made a point of right, getting that right. agenda through and everything else was just kind of like thrown in there for for no reason whatsoever. It, it was definitely the weakest of, of the whole lot this uh, this week. Right, right. Yeah, and uh, we've been very critical of Marvel Team-Up, and um, as we said, um, it is being, like, at this point, they knew it was being cancelled, and it's soon going to be replaced by Web of Spider-Man. So, like we said, there's light at the end of the tunnel, but this issue, we definitely, none of us recommend it. Not at all. All right. No. In so fact, just that, go watch Real Bravo and move on. <laughs> That's right, yeah. and I've got it on Blu-ray, so I can do that anytime, so... Anyway, uh, okay, so now we're going to jump to Peter Parker, The Spectacular Spider-Man. Al, would you like to summarize that one for us? Uh, sure. Uh, yeah, we've got uh, Peter Parker, The Spectacular Spider-Man, number 95, which is entitled The Dagger at the End of the Tunnel, but it should have just been titled Where in the World is Dagger, because that is yeah. everything going on in this story. Uh, mm -hmm. Black Cat and Spidey are uh, regrouping from their big battle. Uh, Spidey's still having trouble with his black costume, doesn't seem to want to listen to him very much. Silvermane is on the move again. He's now got this connection with uh, Dagger and he's, he's seeking her out. Uh, we have another character called The Answer, another one that I, I didn't even remember. I had to uh, go back and look at his bio because I was like, this is just drawing a total blank for me. But uh, he's right. conversing with the Kingpin, and, and they're also, they, they need to get a hold of uh, Dagger, find out what's going on here. So they all hit the streets at the same time. Everybody's looking for Dagger. Meanwhile, uh, Cloak and Dagger are back in their rundown hideout, uh, discussing the fact that she's having some issues with her powers and that, and uh, Cloak needs her, her light, right, so he doesn't get sucked into his own darkness. But then we get to one of my favorite sections <laughs> of the story, which is, and they've used this a few times throughout this this year of, of comics. Uh, I think they, they even allude to it in when Web of Spider-Man starts. And that's the black costume takes over the unconscious Peter Parker and goes out on a little adventure of his own. Right. Uh, how you can be web swinging through the city and not be woken up, I'm not sure. But I always enjoyed those little, <laughs> little moments. Like I say, it did happen a few times throughout the series. Uh, swings past right. Black Cat, and they all join in again on the hunt, and everybody's heading for who knows where at this point. Uh, then we cut to the Kingpin, who is uh, looking over Vanessa, who's had her ordeal in the uh, sewers, which I think uh, actually just ties straight in from uh, the Daredevil at that time, if I remember right. Again, it's been a while since I've read that. But uh, that was the thing that actually surprised me the most with these books that I was reading was how much they did tie into each other. Um, right, right. We're into eras now where we have, you know, these big, all-encompassing storylines that supposedly tie into 20 books, but other than maybe a mention of something, they never really tie in. Where these directly have panels that, you know, uh, allude to what happened in the other issue. Yep, yep. Be because we even have the Rose back on the phone again trying to find out what's going on with everybody and, you know, where's Spider-Man, where's Dagger. And we follow everyone around, and then, of course, they finally all come together at an abandoned, probably, warehouse again, like usual. Mm -hmm. uh, we have the, the fight of the week. 
uh, Spider-Man sleeping through it, of course. Or no, I shouldn't say Peter Parker sleeping through it. Uh, Spider-Man himself has witnessed it, but he works his way back to his apartment. Then he gets a call and realizes that this stuff is going on. He has to swing into action again. Mm-hmm. And we have the showdown on the docks with uh, the Rose and the Answer and Cloak and Dagger and some random goons. Everybody's just all looking for the same thing at the same time. And it's basically a setup, I think, by the Rose to, to bring everyone together. And uh, it's just total mayhem for a while. And like usual, uh, ends on another nice little cliffhanger. Um, Cloak absorbs a bunch of people. Uh, Dagger gets stolen. And we're left to wonder what's going to happen. But all in all, it uh, wasn't too bad of an issue. Uh, Certainly probably the second strongest of the the four that we looked at this week. Because there is a, seems to be a cohesive storyline running through it and it goes from A to B to C to D. You know, you're not jumping around too much. Right. Yeah, I agree. I didn't think it was that bad. I mean, most of Al Milgram's run has been kind of just above mediocre. This one's a little bit better, probably because I like Cloak and Dagger. I like, I like whenever they show up. And I like the ongoing storyline with the Rose, and especially how it ties in with Amazing. So yeah, this issue was definitely not bad. And the art, as usual, was okay. Mostly because of Jim Mooney's inks. And um, even though the art's not great, it still has a classic feel to it. And for that, I like it. Uh, Josh, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I think that the <laughs> issue is fine. Um, I I think that the story, for the most part, works. It's the dialogue for me that feels really awkward and unnatural. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it feels like Star Wars prequel dialogue. <laughs> at some points like it's just so like stilted um right i mean in particular the last page cloak is narrating what is happening to him out loud Mm -hmm. like he's 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 like involuntary i think um he needs to he needs to like absorb people's energy to like use his power mm-hmm. so he's like s- sucking up all these goons into his cape which is like uh which is like another dimension his cape right, um, right so right. he like takes all of the drugs he takes all of the goons that are trying to steal the drugs and then a silver purposely runs into the dimension in his cape mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and as all this is happening he's like thinking about the fact that it's happening but narrating yeah. it out loud like that, he's <laughs> yep it's the worst part sorry go ahead it's it's awful he, he's actually saying but wait even as i in in fold in fold them into my cape silvermane enters my darkness as well but why what possible reason no matter i will take him and his light as well like he's saying this out loud yes Wow, it's it's just so strange. It it takes him like 45 seconds to say that, and it takes Silvermane a split second to run (laughs) into his cloak. Like, if anything, in a typical comic book, that would be a thought balloon. Even it would still be awkward, but it would work better as a thought balloon, right? 
Like right. those split second thoughts that you have, but to say it out loud, you're right, is ridiculous. It would and work then, better as a radio show. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's a whole other thing. Yeah. Like, and and we know the comics at this time, the dialogue is going to be really ex, uh, expositive, I guess. But anyway, yeah, this is I, this is bad. This is really. I'm rough. just so confused as to what happened on this last page too. So the answer comes in and swoops down and grabs Dagger from Silvermane's arms, right? So we see him fly up into the sky with uh-huh. with Dagger in his hands. Spider-Man says, he's too high for my webs to reach, which is ridiculous because he's Spider-Man. He swings <laughs> through buildings. Right, but this right. dude a couple feet in the air, he can't reach. And because <laughs> of that, Dagger is now just gone like in 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 cloak's eyes oh well she's gone so i i guess i better absorb as much energy as i possibly can and after absorbing everybody on the dock besides black cat and spider-man he then jumps into his own cloak i think Mm. like yes like his he just like disappears like he he also jumps through this dimension why? If he's after Dagger, he just disappears? Like, she's still on the dock with the answer. They're still there. He hasn't left yet. Well, no. It's they just flo- so strange. They've flown away. We just don't know how far they are by that point. We're assuming but, they're too far away. But, like, wh- Dagger... Uh, Cloak is looking at... Like, he's a, literally one foot away from Silvermane while he's holding right. Dagger... Dagger gets swooped up and then he just gives up and says, well, I guess I got to just jump into my portal. Like, it just, why didn't he just run after the answer? It's just so strange. Well, the answer is Because we were already on page 23 and didn't have time anymore. Right, yeah, Yeah. that's really the answer. Like, that's that's exactly it, for sure. You got to wonder... Yeah, well, and it's funny too because I was gonna, I was gonna say maybe the artist and writer weren't communicating, but it's the same guy. <laughs> it's Al Milgram doing both. So, yeah, you gotta wonder, eh? Uh, like, what happened there? It's a confusing yeah. mess. Ew. Uh, yeah. So here's the thing. Like, I don't hate this issue. Uh, I give it a mild recommendation. Uh, Josh, do you recommend it? I don't think I would, honestly. Okay. I just yeah. think that that it wasn't strong enough for me to like go out of my way to give somebody this issue. Like it's not something I would, you know, seek out to recommend to anybody. Al, yeah, no, you, you don't. You don't have a good Spidey issue. You don't have a good cloak and dagger issue. Mm-hmm. There's really nothing there to sustain you. You know, if you read it once, you let it go. And we've all moved on since and never looked back. Mm-hmm. Now, what about this cover, though? I do like this cover. Yeah. Anyone? I think it's great. Yeah, that cover's pretty cool. It's uh, very indicative of the, the times. Um, it actually reminds me very much of the early um, New Mutant stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure yeah. why, oh, like Bob but just... Yeah. Just the... Uh, the softness to it, you know, the, the, the way it's laid out. It's just, it's not your typical uh, spectacular Spider-Man cover. That's for yeah. sure. Yeah. It's good. Like, I mean, Al Milgram gets a lot of heat, but this is a pretty good cover. There's no dialogue. There's no text. It's just a nice image. 
you know and mm. so for that reason i like i actually used it for the thumbnail this week because i thought it was so good but anyway so yeah kind of a middling issue of spectacular spider-man and usually that would be the wrap-up for the week but alas there's an annual marvel team-up annual right josh yeah that's right don't worry it's the last, <laughs> so it's the last team marvel team-up annual ever <laughs> yep yeah just when we thought we were done it pulls us back in so uh we're gonna tag team to summarize this issue because there's so much going on i have to point out this is written by louise simonson who i'm a big fan of but this is her first issue ever i believe of spider-man and one of her first scripts as far as i know and unfortunately you can tell yeah. um <laughs> it's i mean i, I think louise simonson is known for kind of writing like overwriting her dialogue and that is definitely true in this case the story ooh, i don't know what to say about this uh we come in with peter and black cat you know doing their thing as usual and then we cut over to the collector who i'm not a huge fan of i barely know what's going on but the collector wants to collect alpha flight i guess and I don't well, remember anything. Yeah, he's after, he's after <laughs> Plodexes. What's that? He is after Plodexes. And, and, uh, oh, right, which is Marina's uh, race, right? Yeah. Right, which we come to find out. But, I mean, this has got to be a very early mention of, of Plodex in comics. Am I right? It, this is all getting to be jumbled for me over the years. But, oh, yeah, uh, considering I've never heard of that. Yeah. Yeah, they've come up uh, over the years. It's been used. In fact, um, I think in uh, some of the original uh, Miracle Man stuff, he even talks us about uh, Plodex. What the heck uh, they, is Plodex? Yeah, they never really they never really explain. Is it is it a race? Is it uh, just this energy form that this guy's able to track? Uh, but it has been brought in a few times. I, I, it could be one of those MacGuffins to just you know, explain something that's unexplainable. I'm not sure. But, well, I uh, just looked it up and it was introduced in Alpha Flight by John Byrne. It says it's an alien race that originated in an unknown world. But um, as far as other mentions, I don't really see many other references to it. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe this is incomplete. But anyway. Uh, but anyway, back to the yeah. story, right? You still there, Al? You losing? Yep, yep, yep. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> So anyway, again, I'm looking through this issue. I just read it yesterday. I have no idea what happened. Like, I think, yeah. the, I think the, I think the major problem sometimes the big mistake Louise Simonson makes is that like, in this issue, I want to read a Spider-Man story. I don't want to read a story about Spider-Man with, uh, like, with aliens and, and just like I'm looking through this issue and like, where are they? What is happening? What is going on? Why are they doing it? You know. That's just well, the feeling I, they got for the whole issue. See, my thing is I don't mind seeing Spider-Man out of his element. I don't mind every mm. once in a while, especially on like a special occasion like this, where it's a Marvel mm. team-up annual. Sure, send Spider-Man out into space. Have him get sucked up by this you know, giant who wants to send him on a mission for the Collector. Like That's, that's kind of the fun of Marvel Comics, but... Um, the story has to be good. <laughs> like I have to understand right. what's happening. Uh, you know, uh, I need to 
understand the events and the characters and why they're there and how they got there. I don't really understand how Alpha Flight got here. I don't I I don't remember really anything besides the fact that the collector's trying to collect a bunch of alien races. He's there for Spider-Man and I think he ends up trying to make a deal with Spider-Man and sends him on a mission by shoving him through like a clam. I I don't know. <laughs> it's just so much junk. It ha- just yeah. happens. Everything is just like flashing on the screen. There the the pages are all filled filled with dialogue. Right. Just pointless useless dialogue that doesn't need to be there. Like I you know, I think that this is like the opposite of Marvel team up this week where we don't see anything in in the uh uh in the 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 art and we have to understand what's going on through the dialogue this one we we see way too much of what's happening and then we have to stop and read what the characters are saying and thinking about it instead of just showing us what's happening and it's Uh, just so if i had to guess i would say the driving force now that i'm i'm going back through this page by page, I think the driving force of this issue was there was a sale on yellow ink that month (laughs) and they had to use it all up because these pages are just page after page after page of yellows and auras. And oh, it's just, it's, it's a mess. It's so busy. Here's the thing is I actually think the art itself is pretty good. Like Paul Neary is, like, I think he's more known as an inker. Like, he inked uh, Brian Hitch on the Ultimates and stuff like that. And I've definitely come across his work before. And I don't mind this art at all. I just think that uh, it's just maybe too busy. It's just yeah. way too much going on. But the actual art itself, I don't think there's a problem. I think it's the story. No, I agree. The, the line work is actually pretty nice in it. Um, the first couple pages, I was really, really worried. Actually, page one. There's a panel of Peter Parker at the bottom of page one that is just atrocious right uh but then from there it actually starts to get better page after page with the actual line work but like i say just the uh, color scheme in this issue is just off the charts for the yellows (laughs) right right yeah i feel like if you took just one panel from any point in this issue you would say that it's objectively good art but Mm -hmm. i think all together I don't understand what's happening in the story just through the art. And I think that's a big problem. And it's just every single panel is just so unbelievably busy and there's way too much um, going on that I I just get lost. And then having to kind of catch up through the dialogue and it's just, it's a, it's a rough issue. I still don't really understand what happened. I will say it's, so. it's a physicist's uh, wet dream, though, because at one point they take water, a liquid, and inject it with a gas and then turn it into a solid. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're just doing everything in this issue. Uh-huh. Well, and the crazy thing is, is we haven't even mentioned that there's two stories in this issue. Yes. And the second one is even worse. And I, yes. I, I, I try. Yeah. No place to run. If you go past the Alpha Flight story, a there's another story. four-page backup story. And it's drawn Wait, by David Mazzucchelli. I liked it. Really? Really? Yeah. I thought, <laughs> I, I thought it was just... Tell us what happened, because I don't I, know. 
Okay, so it's it's really just it's not I, I think it's I think it's um it's a really good story for being only four pages. It's just this random couple that we see in New York, not New York City, but uh Albany, New York. And okay. it's just them having a normal life. They're trying to kind of have like a you know, just kind of survive, be with each other and be happy. And then it's it's them hearing about news of these bad guys, these supervillains. I believe it's Crimson Dynamo who's wrecking havoc in a city that's extremely close to theirs or in their city. And it's about the superheroes coming in and saving them. And they're scared that the danger and the like the fight is going to end up where they are. So it's just kind of them um, listening to the reports and watching the news and kind of uh, realizing that everything that's happening is happening to the entire world and it's not just isolated to these heroes or to these places where the heroes live. It's kind of these world events and it's kind of spreading everywhere. And um, I don't know. I thought it was kind of nice to peer into the life of a normal person in this universe. Now, if this was a full issue, if this was like a full 30 pages, I would agree with you. But I think that the fact that it was just like a small little backup story, I kind of enjoyed it. Well, here, as a scene, like it's not a bad idea, but I just felt not if to me, like, it didn't feel like a full story. That's why I didn't like it. I just felt like, what was the point of this? Like, yeah, it's not a bad idea to show this perspective, but I just thought that the way that it was just explaining everything and then ending on that silent panel, which is, which is well drawn. And again, it's a good idea. I just didn't get anything out of it, but uh, Al, what did you think? Uh, yeah, I, I liked what they were trying to do, but yes, it didn't connect with me at all. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, they, he had settled in this smaller town because he thought, you know, he'd be safer. It, it, it's sane here. I think it actually says in the, the dialogue, it's sane and safe. And, uh, they find that their world is now being encroached upon. And then, like you say, it, it rests on this last panel, which is basically these are now the thoughts that are keeping him up at night. Uh, I like the idea. I just didn't find that it, it really conveyed it all that well. I think uh, for this type of story, uh, it's been done much better uh, in more recent times. I mean, in 1984, it was probably no one had thought to do it. But by the time you get around to... Um, Astro City, you know, life in the big city where, or even uh, Marvels itself, you know, uh, where you're starting to look at this stuff from a real world perspective. Uh, Those stories have much more impact and they were trying to do that with this at least. It just, I I didn't really connect with it myself. Or don't forget damage control, right? That's sort of... uh, Oh yeah, absolutely. (laughs) I forgot about Um, that. Yep. So yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I guess... I probably maybe I didn't give it a, a fair shake, but I just didn't get anything out of it. But I definitely like the art by David Monticelli because he's one of my favorite artists. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. I'm guessing this is still fairly early in his career because I did not remember this uh, at all. Yeah, he also drastically changed his style once he got to uh, Daredevil: Born Again. So and Batman: Year yeah. One, right? So, but anyway, so okay, so this issue we didn't really say much about it because. Oh, there's, 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 you know, it's like what thirty pages, but we almost nothing happens, and so I definitely do not recommend this. I mean, the art is good, but as a story, no way 
Do I recommend this? And I'm never going to read this again. Um, Al, do you recommend this issue? No, I'm with you. I would probably never even, if I had it in my collection, if it was in a trade, I'd probably skip it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I couldn't, right, I couldn't right. go back and read this again, I don't think. Right. Okay, Josh, what do you think? No, I don't even want to really think about it again. <laughs> let alone read it. I, I, Too traumatizing. Yeah, it's let Marvel team up die. Uh, <laughs> now, Al, you had said that you said something like, "Oh, thank God, 1986 is coming." Is there a specific era of Spider-Man that you're looking forward to, or that you like? Uh no, I, I, Spidey for me was actually the 70s. He was uh, oh, Spider-Man with my okay. whole world in the 70s and that whole period. And while historically it it's not the greatest, nostalgically, I think it's it's the one that I always go to. Uh, I actually have a hard time with Spider-Man anymore. Um, the last, I would say, 15 years, I've really only read it cursory, just kind of pick up an issue here and there just to keep tabs on what's going on. Because it uh, it does nothing for me anymore, and uh, the character isn't the same anymore. It's not that same uh, every man young, you know. With the it's just become this big overall storyline. Every week is uh, some cosmic event or some you know big event that they're tying into something else. So, uh, no, I certainly don't look forward to Spider-Man anymore. Uh, all I can do is go back and read some of my favorite issues from the 70s and, you know, pick up trades of stuff that I haven't read in a while and, and just try to re-enjoy that. I'll have to agree with you. Uh, I do love Spidey, but I think the Jump the Shark moment for me was when they published the, um, the Norman Osborn, Gwen Stacy love children story. Oh, good grief. Yeah, like, not only did it make me stop buying Spider-Man at that point, it just... I cannot believe that Marvel Marvel published that story. Yeah. And it's just such a slap in the face to the character that I just, I don't know. It, it, it's just unforgivable. You're right. It's not really the same character anymore. Uh, but that goes for a lot of, you know, Marvel and DC characters, unfortunately. And I don't want to be the guy that's like the old man yelling at the cloud. But unfortunately, a lot of it is true, um, especially for uh, characters like Spider-Man. But anyway, uh, if, when we do get to, I, I personally think that there's better stuff coming by Peter David. So perhaps when we get to that era, we'll have you back on the show. What do you think? Sure. Yeah, that'd be great. Awesome. All right. So hopefully next week, Julie will be back with us. She called in sick today. So unfortunately she missed out. Although maybe it was fortunate for her because of the quality. She might have dodged. <laughs> yeah, she might have came out on top anyway. <laughs> so next week we'll be back to our regularly scheduled program with GI Jolie in tow. Uh, and Josh, you can take it from here. Yeah, we want to thank you guys so much for listening. Um, it really helps when you leave us a review over on Apple Podcasts, or you can drop us a line on Twitter at, at @hctspidercast. Uh, please let us know what you guys think about the episodes and the issues that we're talking about. We uh, really want to keep that comment conversation going. That's right. So until next Monday, this has been Here Comes the Spidercast. All right. See you then. Oh!